Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Chapter 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles which thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, but I say unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth. And so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Let's go over to verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. I've entitled this morning's message, A Night of Mystery. I'm going to be speaking for several sermons, seven, eight, nine, ten, I'm not quite sure how many, on things that took place at night throughout the scripture. The first one in this series is this morning, A Night of Mystery. A lot of people like mysteries, really are fascinated by them. Some of them I am fascinated by, not as much as others. Agatha Christie's uh, stories that are now being portrayed on television, I don't know how long this has been going on, but once in a while I see one of them, are quite intriguing. Uh, Sherlock Holmes' uh, stories are, are quite interesting. I remember reading those when I was a teenager and enjoyed them a lot. One of the mysteries that fascinates me is how the universe works. And uh, I've had a little bit of privilege of looking through telescopes at the sky. I always have wanted and never had the opportunity to go to East Bank and look through that huge one that fell not so long ago. They have to read now and reconstruct it to really look into the mysteries of the universe. But there's another one that's even closer, and that is the mystery of the body, how it actually works. It's, it's fascinating that uh, there are so many intricate parts to the body, and each one depends in a certain way upon others. And although medical people have spent years studying we still discover that they came up against problems that they don't have any answers to. They don't know why things are happening like they're happening. It's a tremendous mystery. 
but there's one even greater. That is, how is it that a lost soul like you and me can be saved? That's the real mystery of the universe. Not how the body works, but how is it possible that a sinful man can become sanctified by God and acceptable to him? And this was the very issue that Nicodemus questioned Jesus about on this particular night. How can a man be saved? Nicodemus was a prominent citizen of the community, a very religious man. He held a position in the highest court of the land, the Sanhedrin. But he could recognize there was something that he didn't know. That Jesus seemed to be teaching and preaching. But the position he held, being such a high official, made it extremely difficult for him to admit that he didn't know. Therefore, he came at night to inquire as to what all of this meant. You know, as I prepared this sermon, I thought back over all the people that I've baptized in the last 35 years. And do you know that there are very few college graduates in that group? And as far as I know, I have never baptized a person who had a, has a doctorate. I have never baptized a medical doctor. I have never baptized a member of the legislature, nor of the county commission. I have never baptized a lawyer in all of those 35 years. <coughs> Not very many school teachers, a few. Mindy, I think you are the person with the highest degree that I've ever baptized. Where is me? Oh, she's in the back. Okay. Not to say that people of position don't become saved, but I think that if you will check all kinds of numbers of records. People who are in positions of responsibility of some degree today were saved before they had the position, not after they got the position. And that's rather striking to me that people like Nicodemus have such a difficult time admitting that they don't know. and come seeking for an answer. It seems as if religion is reserved for the ignorant. But I learned a lesson a long time ago from a very wise man, my father, and I probably have told you this, but let me repeat it 
And for those of you who have not heard it, listen, because there's something in it of importance. I was invited as a young preacher. I was still in college, so I was preaching. I had a church. Started preaching when I was in high school. Had a full-time church when I was a sophomore in college. I've been preaching ever since. But as a young preacher, I was visiting the uh, my father, mother and father in Athens, down where Brother Bob Malt is coach, and uh, my father was deacon in that church, and the pastor invited me to preach on Sunday morning to that congregation. I was literally petrified. And I said to my father, I don't know how I can do this because there are college professors in the group and college students, people who are well-educated, and I'm still just a sophomore in college, and I'm going to have to preach to that group. I never forgot his advice. He said, son, remember, they all need to hear the same message. You see, we never outgrow our need or out-educate our need for salvation. Since then, I don't mind if, uh, who's in the congregation. I remarked to uh, Bob Matherly, our area minister, just recently, as he was in a class that I'm taking to him, commented upon the author of a certain textbook that we're using. And the person who wrote his name was Talbert. And I told Brother Matherly that that college professor, as a matter of fact, he was a seminary uh, professor, that seminary professor sat in my congregation during one of the earliest sermons I ever preached. And you can believe when I found out that he was there, I was absolutely petrified that morning. But since then, it wouldn't bother me as much. I might be concerned about the critique that a seminary professor might make of my sermon or other preachers. But I do honestly believe that we are all in the same position as Nicodemus. And that is that we don't understand this mystery and we need an answer to it. When the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I believe it. We're all short of where we ought to be. Daniel Webster of the Dictionary Webster family was asked on one occasion what is your greatest thought that you have ever had? And his response was, my greatest thought is my accountability to God. Whether we are of the lowest in education or the highest degree that possibly can be achieved, whether we have the lowest menial job upon earth or the position that is highest in all of the world, whether we are president or peasant, whether we're ignorant or learned, whether we have money or are in poverty, we all have need of the answer to that mystery. 
How is it possible to be saved? The man comes at night. There's been lots of arguments given as to why Nicodemus would come at night. Some have said it's because of his busy schedule. Some have said it's because he was afraid of the people, his peers, the people that might see him go there. And there are people who are afraid to come to church because of what somebody else might say about their coming. It's very difficult for unsaved politicians and leaders and um, people with money and, and socialites to actually walk in a door if they're not saved. This man had that difficulty. But I think that he was seeing that he has a need that was not met. He had, to, he had to find an answer. He wanted a solution to the mystery that he was facing. What is his need? Why should he have a need? Why isn't his position in life sufficient to satisfy him? He had money. He was a member of the highest court in the land, and yet he felt that he had a need. I want to suggest that we quit pretending, that we take off our masks and reveal ourselves for what we really are. I don't know if the word mascara comes from the same root word as mask or not, but I think it does. You ladies put on mascara to hide your blemishes, right? To make you look pretty. And you do a good job of it. And probably some of you need to. Terribly bad, I don't know. We men put on our finest suits and dress ourselves out to make us look acceptable and presentable. Cut our hair and comb it. And Tim even has on a robe this morning. I noticed that, Tim. That looks good. I haven't asked you where it came from yet. I'm going to do that after the service. We want to look pretty to each other. And when we greet each other and shake hands, we say, how are you? And do you know we almost always say, I'm fine, with a big grin on our face, I'm fine. That's good that we can say that. But there are times when down inside we are crying and we're just pretending to be fine. We really aren't. What do you really look like with your mask off? With no pretenses made? With all the real needs of your life there? What is it that you need more than anything else in life? What do you need? I think if you'll be honest, I'll be honest, we would have to say there is no greater need in my life than to have peace with God. To have that issue settled so that there is no question as to whether I'm saved or lost. That it's all been taken care of in some way. You've got to take your mask off to admit that. 
See, that's why a lot of people will not come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Because they know that in so doing, they're going to have to take off their mask and let themselves be seen for what they really are. A sinner, lost, doomed for hell. No possibility of being saved until one gets rid of all those things that we pretend to be and do. And admit ourselves for what we really are. We can't understand how it's possible that God can take a poor lost sinner and lift him from the miry clay, make him free. But we sing the refrain today, Hallelujah, what a Savior who can do it. Yes, he can take a poor lost sinner somehow. But man wants to do it his way. The Roman government says that the way Rome itself says that the way to, uh, to peace is to have a government and everything is instilled within it. Communists have tried that and they're discovering now that it's not working. Communism has not worked and communism never will work. It's based on the wrong principles. Greeks tried it. They believed that culture was the way. And so they advocated uh, all kinds of things like uh, going to the theater and listening to plays and enjoying art and, and learning all the social graces, you know, those things, how you hold a teacup and you keep your little pinky pointed out in the right direction. And I, I always get my other finger caught in the handle of the cup and I don't know what to do to get it off of there. Uh, I didn't, haven't learned all of those graces. But there are lots of things, you know, how you walk. You ladies, some of you have been trained in how to walk. I thought you just naturally knew that, but I've discovered you don't. We've got to learn those, those graces. People in high society, which are probably different than we are, say to be somebody, you've got to know all of these things as to how you act and how you talk in society and how you respond and when you sit and when you stand and when you smile and when you hold your cup and all of those things and you must be able to talk about the theater and about all of these things and that's the way to peace but man has discovered that the the more suicides in this land are being done by people from the culture side of life who know all of these little ins and outs. They're killing themselves in great numbers because they still have something lacking and they don't know what it is. It's still a mystery. Well, the Hebrews tried religion and others have tried religion and the way to, to be at peace is to do all of the, the things that are established in the Old Testament law. And the Catholics still try to follow some of those procedures and we even have some Protestant groups who say the way to perfect happiness is to do the things the way that we do them. Some groups would say in order for you to be satisfied and happy with God and at peace with God, you're going to have to talk in tongues. That isn't proven in the scripture anywhere. Others would say that you're going to have to, to kneel when you pray. And others would say that you're going to have to do this or do that or do something else. We have all those things that we want to say. This will give you 
peace with God. And when it's all said and done, and we take off all the masks of our religious efforts, we still discover that the bottom line is you must be born again. That's the only way. And it was a mystery to Nicodemus. Former President Carter made popular the phrase, born-again Christian. It's a good phrase. But you know, there's something wrong with it. I don't know what other kind of Christian there is. To be born again and to be Christian is the same thing as far as I can tell. And that's the mystery. How does one become born again? How does one become a Christian? And Jesus said to Nicodemus, Have you been such a master of Israel and you don't understand all of these things? No, Nicodemus did not understand them all. So Jesus gave it to him in plain, simple words. And I don't think I can improve upon them. In that very familiar passage, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And the next verse says it, uh, an amplification upon it. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send his Son to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Do you feel uneasy this morning with your life? you don't understand at all? I still admit that I cannot possibly comprehend why God would love this world. That's the great mystery. Why God would give his only son. That compounds the mystery. But most of all, I can't understand why God loved me enough to save me, but he said it. Let me tell you, I'm willing to believe it. I'm saved today because God loved me enough to send his son to the cross to die so that I wouldn't have to die. Now, if you're not saved this morning, he went to the cross for you as well. Don't say, I'm going to wait until I understand all the mystery. You've got to take some things on faith, and this is certainly one. You've got to understand and believe in your heart that God loved you, and that God sent his son to die for you. What a mystery. Someday will be resolved when we stand before the throne and say, Father, explain to me why you did it. Then he'll uh, explain to us. And we'll, for the first time in our life, fully comprehend 
that great, magnificent love that God had for you and for me. If you're wrapped in the mystery, take off your mask. Stand bare before God. Admit your sin. And take him on faith, who has never made a misstatement in the entire world, from eternity to eternity, has promised us life through his Son. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.